Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which takes you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host Sam from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass and this week I'm joined by Greg Murphy, Australian stock car racing legend. I had the awesome opportunity to sit down and have a chat with Greg whilst I was in New Zealand. Now the recording actually took place in a friend of mine's house. It was a very hot day, the windows were all open and you will hear in the background, I don't even know what kind of insects, but a whole lot of insects making a whole lot of noise. But hopefully you can still hear Greg and I chatting away because my Lord was he an interesting guy. As a motorsport fan, I couldn't wait to have the opportunity to pick his brain on what it's like to have driven some of the most important and impressive cars of Australian stock car history. So sit down uh, wherever you're listening to us. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes and enjoy my chat with Greg. 
uh, my family and in, in, in the sport but I got into karting with my dad and we used to go to the racetrack together and and things just evolved through karting for you know for t- sort of 10 years and then I managed to to get a chance to I won a scholarship racing a f- uh, for Formula and a Formula Ford scholarship here in New Zealand which got me into cars and from that point on it sort of went down the uh, 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 a path that um, is not uncommon, I suppose. You know, opportunities presenting, going off, finding money, um, running in local championships and bits and pieces for a number of years before embarking um, uh, eventually overseas, and, and that went and that ended up being in Australia. It was single seater stuff mainly. I was uh, Formula Ford, Formula Atlantic cars, so you know, sixteen hundred sort of CC wings and slicks powered racing cars, which was predominantly American uh, championship, and then into bigger single seaters. And my dream was to race, was to do an car I wanted to race champ car um, so I was chasing that for a lo- for quite a long time um, but uh, sort of the way things worked out I ended up in Australia and and got offered um, offered drives and and the professional career began and and the decision was made to stick with Australia which was a you know blooming blossoming championship and the growth of that was very strong at the time and I've been fortunate to spend you know um, a, a pretty sizable amount of my my uh, younger years uh, racing uh, in Australian touring cars and, and amongst a few other bits and pieces but predominantly that and um, retired full-time uh, actually stopped racing full-time in 2012 and then stopped racing professionally into uh, the end of 2014 and then took up a, an opportunity to be involved with the sport on the, the broadcasting television side of things so um, and moved back to New Zealand after living in Australia for for sort of 20 odd years uh, came back to New Zealand uh, five years ago and and uh, commute around backwards and forwards to Australia but uh, loving life back here in New Zealand doing things have a TV show here that uh, I do with a, a co-host uh, which we do uh, 40 shows a year on on the Sky Network which is the, the pay TV here and that's around um, motorsport review preview plus we do feature stories on 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 cars and events and other things that are here in New Zealand so that keeps me busy amongst other things so that's a nutshell there we go that's summarizing in a nutshell a, li- a life in motorsport yeah. I, su- I suppose yeah very much I, I never had I never had another job so other, until now where I'm you know doing TV so I was very lucky to be involved in the sport from when I left school I, I want to take you back actually to uh, well I guess earlier on in your story you mentioned that the sort of initial dream was India or champ car yep. so uh, I guess my part of the world Europe the dream is usually Formula One yeah so why was it IndyCar champ car that was your I think it was the, the um, more real, being realistic I mean I was a little bit late getting started so I didn't drive a racing car until I was 18 um, and and probably back in the 90s early 90s that might not have been you know a, a too much of an issue, but but before I, got, I didn't get out of New Zealand to go racing until I was um, sort of 21, um, and that was Australia. So you know it was. I was sort of moving on by that stage, I suppose. And if one was, you know, as as always, uh, maybe more so now, but it was always and you know so incredibly difficult, and and it just seemed always so so far away. Whereas Champ Car was was a bit more. Um, you know, a bit more open, uh, not as not as sort of um, this clinical bloody fence that was set up that everyone could look through and, and but not touch, and that's the way sort of Formula One has continued to be. And whereas IndyCar, Champ Car was a bit more, you know, you could stand right there at the at the pit wall and bloody almost touch them, and the drivers would talk to you, and it was more low key, and, and the cars were just fantastic. You know, it was I think it was my kind of 
you know, racing was oval, ovals, uh, road courses, uh, street racing, long oval, short oval, all that kind of stuff. It was just the whole discipline. And at the time, you know, amazing race drivers and incredible racing cars that were, you know, as far as budgets and everything went, were much more realistic. And, and the, the chance of potentially having to raise the money was, was more of a, you know, was a much bigger light at the end of the tunnel than what Formula One was, which was pretty much just a glint, you know. And late 90s, it was really, that was oh. its heyday, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, mid to late 90s, Champ Car was just on fire. It was incredibly popular. The racing was insane. Um, you know, you had so many uh, uh, amazing names that were, you know, racing in there as well. And the popularity was high. And, you know, and, and I, it was around the time that I suppose I, I just couldn't make that transition or couldn't raise the funding to get into the feeder category, which was Indy Lights. and came very close, but it just escaped me there at the last minute. And the commitment to it was going to be, you know, huge, you know, with the you know, sort of eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollar, uh, you know, requirement budget um, and then not long after that obviously the, the whole IndyCar thing did actually go through its implosion as well but um, you know that's that's uh that was the dream, and yeah, but Formula One was was always sort of there, and the you know, and but I never really focused on it because sure. it, was, it was I just didn't really believe that um, you know the, re the realistic chance of getting in there was was going to happen. So tough. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you say that you know you, you didn't end up making the move to Indy Champ Car, but every cloud has a silver lining because mm. you then effectively became a household name through V8 Supercars. It's that's, yeah, that's kind of what came up happening, right? Yeah, well, in the in the in the yeah motor racing world, and and um, as far as you know, in New Zealand is uh, is a different country, but essentially we are we're very similar to you know Australia. It's, um, and the, the things we like here are pretty much what they like over there, and the car culture, especially the you know the Australian homegrown um, built uh, Falcons and Commodores. Uh, you know, they sold hundreds of millions of them over the period where they were the the biggest selling cars, and I was involved in in, in touring car racing. And, um, in Australia when you know Commodore was the biggest selling car and Falcon wasn't far behind and, and you know those two companies were doing incredibly well with market share and the popularity was was enormous and and, and you sort of look back on it now and really take in how, how good it was and and you know to, to be um, paid to drive for one of the teams or pay for a t you know, by a team in that championship that was you know heavily funded and, and supported by the manufacturer and and be a part of that was 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 enormous and and you know um, able to make a, a good career out of that and so it, it, you know with me amongst a bunch of other guys have been very fortunate to to be be involved in that and so to to touch on the the Commodore Falcon mm. Ford Holden thing because I was totally naive and unaware of this before I touched on it. A few people were sending me messages, red versus blue, like you need yeah. to look into yeah. this. <laughs> uh, and I, I, you know, I very nearly got punched yeah. in the face a couple of times whilst in Australia. <laughs> Luckily, I just about yeah. survived. Um, but, but sort of, this was basically because back in the what seventies, uh, there were these sort of uh, Australian-made muscle cars mm. uh, and homologated, homologated yeah. for racing. Yeah. Um, and you had the the Falcon made by Ford yep. Australia and the Commodore made by Holden. Yep. Uh, and that continued for what 20 30 years yeah so the the, the homologation processes and all that kind of changed but yeah it, it went through from um, you know Commodore turned up it was the Tirana before that uh, in the early 70s and and obviously Ford were making you know some pretty cool cars the GDHO uh, Falcon was you know is, is completely iconic uh, a lot of the Tiranas are iconic and then Commodore turned up at, in um, 
70, what was that, 77, 78? Jeez, I should really know yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to get shot we down can, in flames. We can do a voiceover later. And, yeah. and, and um, you know, became, uh, became the, you know, the GM you know touring car sure and and just has, has been it was is the most successful touring car of all time um and because it's like it's length of as longevity as a, as being a, a sales success uh you know and alongside falcon at the same time and and you know the the, the manufacturers were you know back in the day when we used to say when on on sunday sell on monday you know it was it was incredibly relevant and real and um you know the going head to head there the, the battle was strong and motorsport the crowds that used to turn up bathurst which is is the you know the epitome of of australian car racing um you know it 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 was a. It was you had to be involved in it. The manif- those two manufacturers were committed, uh, as was others at the time. Nissan was involved in there uh, heavily with the GTR through uh, and and other versions of the Skyline uh, through the late 80s into the 90s. And hugely successful, obviously, um, and other other brands as well. Volvo was in there at the time uh, for, for a period. BMW was racing in, in the series as well, very successfully. Um, but Group A through the 80s, mid late early 90s was around the world so it was a world thing and world touring cars and and rounds of the world touring car championship were run in australia with the sierra cosworth and 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 all these other cars as well and, and so hugely successful and and so there was that period um through there where you know everyone was having a crack but gm was using commodore and, and ford for a long time falcon and then cos and then the sierra sort of crept in and then back into the early um you know 90 sort of Early 90s, when uh, the um, when the Falcon became again, uh, because the rules started to change, Group A was disappearing, um, and then Falcon came back in, and I think 93 it was when it became the the car, because that's what you know Ford were selling, and um, it wasn't about the world anymore; it was about Australia. And then from there, 93 onwards, it was just Commodore versus Falcon, and um, and the and the war. Yeah, the war. that's it. I mean, the p- people are so like loyalty and passion, and I mean, it, it can draw blood. Like this, yep, like, absolutely. <laughs> oh, there's been fights. I mean, I mean, you, yeah, you, countless, endless amounts of. Not so much now. I think it, 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 we've sort of toned it down. It's slightly. calmed down a bit. Um, but you know, the, through there, the period where I. Was was, you know, in the, in the mid '90s, racing for Holden and um, and being a part of that, you know, that was we it was serious. I mean, I, I asked you when you turned up, but but back in that day, if one of your friends said, "Oh, let's go for a drive," and they'd come in a Ford, would you have had to go on? Sorry, mate, not not pretty a much. Absolutely, really? you wouldn't want to be seen. <laughs> I, I mean, especially when you were, you know, um, I was uh, fortunate to be a part of the factory Holden team for, yeah. a, for a number of years, and yeah, you know, you just it just wouldn't yeah, happen. that wouldn't that just wouldn't be would worth not it. Happen, not happen at all. Well, you mentioned Bathurst. So, uh, is it a stretch to say that Bathurst 1000 is the sort of Le Mans of Australia? Yeah, no, I it, think it's so. It's sort of that big an event, right? Yeah, it is. It and is. a thousand laps or a thousand, thousand kilometres? Okay, a thousand, thousand kilometres. Kilometers. So, 161 laps as it is now. And, um, it, you know, it is, it's, uh, and it, and it's not like it's just a, a, a race that's uh, recognised, obviously, here. I mean, if you're a motorsport fan, an international motorsport fan, you'll know what Bathurst is. And, and you know, we, uh, as of only just a couple of days ago, um, 
you know, was the Bathurst 12 hour race, which is uh, uh, GT3 cars. And that's grown over the years with factory, you know, a lot of the factories have brought their cars down there because of the iconic stature of that racetrack. Absolutely. And, and it's, um, and it's you know, you've got drivers, incredibly talented international professional drivers who have been just itching to have the opportunity to come down and race, and I think the the twelve hour with the GT three race cars has given given a lot of a lot of drivers that opportunity to do that, who wouldn't have been able to step into a supercar group you know, and get a co drive to be a part of it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, it is very it will continue to be, you know, the pinnacle of of our racing calendar. You know, for 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 a very very long time. But does it does it live up to the hype? It's not yes. a, it's not a Monaco in terms of glitz and glamour. No. It's actually a fantastic no, this track is, to drive. It's a fan, it is a proper racetrack. I mean, and it's evolved over the years, and you know, um, certainly changed the safety and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the the shape of the racetrack has not changed, and and it, and it still has every single bit of character that it had. You know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, every bit of character is still there, and the. And the commitment to to uh, drive around there flat out is is a serious one, and it's not for the faint-hearted. And and but it delivers, you know, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant racing. And um, you know, yeah, I've been lucky enough to be uh, participate in that for many years. And and uh, it's that one of those races now that you go to that you aren't racing in, and it you know, and it and it leaves. You know, leaves a bit of a uh, tingle down your spine, and sure. certainly uh, you have a lot of reflection. And uh, when you see the race start now, and, and I'm the work I do now, I work in the with the television of the supercar, so I'm there in the pit lane, working. And you know, it's it's uh, it's a, it's not an enjoyable time seeing that race start. No, you're not a part of it. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, you're a humble guy because you say you participated. Please correct me if I'm wrong because I could be. But did you not win what, the Bathurst 1004 times? Yes. Uh, and you completed this this lap of the gods. Uh, the first <laughs> yeah, lap. Yeah, you need to <laughs> caveat this with the fact that I did not call it he this. He definitely but, named okay. it himself. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but you were the first Wanker. man to... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To, <laughs> to lap under two minutes and seven seconds yeah. at, the, at the time. So it was, you know, I, I, and still, I mean, if you, if, you, if you Google your name, this is what comes up everywhere, and it's heralded as really one of the most almighty uh, laps in all of motorsport. Um, so just to touch on a couple of things there. Firstly, at the time, whilst you were driving, or even in the moments afterwards, did you think you had done a fantastic lap? Were you feeling different to any other lap you'd driven around there? No, it, it's a bizarre thing be, um, because it, you you certainly look back on it and, and start to sort of remember things and, and you know, feelings that you didn't really notice at the time. It's one of those moments. And listen, it's it is it's a very special thing that I um, have on my resume that um, you know every driver in the world wants to have something that um, I suppose that they they might be remembered by and 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 lots of drivers win championships and they win special races and all these kinds of things and um, I um, I never won the supercar championship uh, but um, you know for a period there um, I was very competitive and, and very good race teams and, and good teammates and all those kinds of things and um, but this this moment was a you know was a was one of those those moments that happen every now and then and, and I've for whatever reason uh, happened to be the bloke that was um, at the right place at the right time with the right stuff to, to achieve it and I always had a, a uh, a special. I always had a an affinity with the place because I grew up. You know, I, I didn't get there. I didn't go to Bathurst until 1994, and I, the first time I ever went there was to actually race my first Bathurst 1000. And um, you know, but growing up through you know the, mainly through the 80s, uh, the the iconic stature of that event was was the same here in New Zealand. So you know it's probably about the it was the, probably the only live motor race that was on television <laughs> in New Zealand through many many years of the 80s. So you know sitting in front of the TV for seven hours eight hours straight watching you know the icons of the likes of Peter Brock and. Jim Richards and and uh, Larry Perkins and John Bauer, Dick Thompson, all these racing this race. You know that was just the the most the weekend for me all year that I waited for. So to have the chance to race there was was incredibly special. So and I always always felt you know on it every time no matter what you know it was like it, it was you know you had to respect the mountain and you should have you should feel honoured to have you know to have that opportunity to be there. And, and and so, you know, I always went there with with that kind of feeling and vibe and and, uh, and felt very lucky and fortunate to have the chance and always treated it with that kind of level of respect. And and so 2003 was, uh, was 12 months after the two, obviously 12 months after the 2002 race, where, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously, obviously, where I actually had a, a, a something else that I was very much remembered by, and that was um, to be given maybe the first five minute penalty ever <laughs> in the world. <laughs> so if you, you Google my name and you see the lap of the gods, yeah. it's a highlight. Scroll down 12 a months bit. earlier, there'll be, yeah, there'll be another one from, from 2002, which was a, was a serious low light when I was given a five minute penalty um, for driving away from our pit bay uh, while the fuel hose was still attached. And uh, anyway, that happened um, through certain 
things all as they do, pieces of the puzzle all conspiring at the right at the same time to allow that to happen. Anyway, we were given, I was given, and the team uh, were given a five-minute penalty, which essentially that's over two laps at Bathurst. Okay. So you you know your race You're is done. done. And yeah. we were we were incredibly competitive in 2002 and 2001 in the Kmart racing team that I was a part of, and so 2002 we were you know we were. Uh, very much um, on a chance to uh, be on the podium at least, but also maybe win that race as well that day, as were many others. But that happened, five-minute penalty, so I was uh, rather um, incensed by that yep, and yep. showed my frustrations. <laughs> and um, and so that's gone down in folklore, amongst other things. And then, so 12 months later, I turned up there, and, and you know we played a bit of a, had a bit of a joke about the fact that it happened. And you know I spent some time in the five-minute penalty. I got out of the car. And spent some time in a portaloo that was inside the garage because it was like needed somewhere to go to vent yeah, some anger. I can only imagine. <coughs> and might as well empty the bladder at the same time yeah. before I had to get back in the car. Sure. So 12 months later, you know, I think we're looking back, I didn't think it at the time, but there was certainly a bit of subliminal kind of. Um, uh, 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 f- vibe around what had happened that I was using as a as a tool maybe to to make me you know do something extra special maybe and 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 I was using that energy maybe that negative energy and and because of what had happened it was like you want to maybe you want to prove something and uh, it was one of those weekends where you know when we turned up at the at, at Bathurst and with an amazing crew the same people I'd turned up with two years before same same team and um, you know you you put the car on the racetrack and pretty much we don't touch it for the rest of the weekend mm. because it's like well I don't really know what to do because I'm still finding speed and you know you're, you're fastest in the first couple of practice sessions and you're just getting faster yeah. and then you go into the next day and and you know you're fastest in one of the practice sessions and then you know you go into qualifying and the most amazing qualifying one of the really special ones that happened uh, it, w- it was between myself John Bow and Mark Scaife two other very very much icons of Australian motorsport you know we battled out in qualifying to be separated um, at the end of qualifying, uh, three of us by one tenth of a second, wow. Wow. and all three of us for the first time ever into the 207 second bracket. So 207 9, and it was like, wow, three of us are in there. And I was on provisional pole with the shootout to come on Saturday, the top 10 shootout, which is again another very special part of, of the Bathurst weekend, is the iconic top 10 shootout. And so we went into the top 10 shootout. Last to run, so the 10th fastest in qualifying runs first, down to first. And, you know, it's just one of those those things that just managed to happen. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a moment and a part of the weekend that I always broke down as being, right, the top 10 shootout, you want to be in it for one. So sure. qualifying was super important. And then once you're in it, this is, this is a piece of, of, again, history that, is, that I've watched and admired for a long time, the ability to go and drive a racing car um, with nobody else on the racetrack, all eyes, television, crowd, everybody watching you do this lap, and and it's an honour again to be to get the chance to do it. So it's like, well, you know, anyone that says, oh well, you know, it's a long race tomorrow. Yeah. I'm happy to start from sixth on the grid. Well, you don't share that. I don't share yeah, that. No, That's okay. just an absolute rogue rubbish. <laughs> and and anyone that says that and uses that as a terrible cliche quote, um, you know, should actually take a look at themselves in a room of mirrors because it's just rubbish so um you know you you go you you do the shootout to to be on pole and um and every year you try this year for some reason it was it was just it seemed to to happen quite easily um albeit you know 
yeah, you're in the zone, you're in a zone, and I and I don't know if I've ever actually felt that you know been in that zone ever before, so prepared and so willing and able and committed and and um, you know confident, and it just it just you know it came just, up, just came through, and to, I, I'm just sort of fascinated because I'm well not a frustrated racing driver, but but I would love to have been a racing driver. Mm. Not necessarily that lap, but when you when you get in the car and you're going for ultimate lap time, mm. is there a certain amount of subliminal in terms of you are just driving, you know, as focused and as prepared as possible, or are you still sort of turning to yourself in terms of right? There's the 80 meter board break. Okay, turning. Oh no, I missed that apex. Like, how much of a narrative is playing out inside of your head, and how much of it is just kind of robot focus? When it's really when it when it when you are actually got in the zone and everything is there that you need, and you've got that confidence with the race car and all that kind of stuff, it, it, I think it is quite subliminal. Yeah. It's, it's and it needs to be quite robotic and 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 muscle memory and just you know the everything happens at the at, at probably at a slower speed and. Um, in the way you actually apply and do everything, and that doesn't happen very often. I think when you, you know, so like 2003, you look at that and it happened. And you're like, wow, okay, that's cool. So, you know, again, 2004, we turn up, and I go, well, I'll just do it again. <laughs> yeah, sure, that'll be easy. Didn't happen. <laughs> no. you know? Okay, didn't so it didn't just, it's just things coming together. Yeah, sometimes it's it a sweet spot. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's an amazing, uh, amazing accolade. But you, you have many, and uh, you know, as you say, I'm sure it's great to have that. But, but you've proved yourself in many other areas as well rather than a, a one lap wonder mm. but but an amazing thing for any of you listening just uh, just get online and, and search out the the, yeah, the lap of the gods and and you'll you'll be pretty blown away but let's let's come forward a little bit i, I want to touch on road cars yeah. because you turn up today in uh, i guess a sort of iconic final hurrah to the aussie muscle car yeah um but throughout these i mean were you ever into your road cars do you enjoy yes. road driving i do yeah okay i, I, I i'm very much a car car guy i love cars i love reading car magazines i love i love seeing what's coming i I love understanding you know what's in them i like knowing if they're good or bad i like driving them to find out what they're like you know and um you know and and it doesn't matter really what it is i'm 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 pretty pretty interested and and have been forever Uh, i've had a strong association with hsv holden special vehicles which you know have over the years delivered a small number of of their cars to the uk and and um you know they're all v8 powered front engine rear wheel drive uh you know proper aussie muscle cars <laughs> yeah it's and got a proper stance to it that yeah, car they do, yeah and they do and, and they've done an amazing and i've had a, a strong association and uh, uh with with hsc for, for you know for for 20 odd years um which i've really enjoyed over the time you know seeing them evolve and and as the products from holden evolve you know they evolve but but also you know what other car makers have done over the years and and you know the technology that's changed and and you know so no i'm a, I'm a huge fan and i've been very fortunate over the years and and certainly since i've been back in new zealand with this with a this uh sky speed show that that i do with uh on sky the pay pay tv sure. here um get the chance to drive a lot of stuff awesome. and do stories around a lot of things um uh, and the la- the latest and last thing that i uh, that we did in the um late last year and and certainly the the most incredible car and 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 rewarding car that um i've driven probably to date is the mclaren center so oh, wow okay um, have spent a bit of time in that um, we made a bit of a video about that in relationship with the the two names the mclaren obviously bruce mclaren and and center and and um i spent a fair bit of time at hampton downs in the center recently and it was it was yeah it's one of those cars that 
you know, what, yes, McLaren have gone and built this, you know, uh, this brilliant piece of engineering designed for, you know, one thing. It's uh, certainly not a beautiful car. No, we agree on that. No, and, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and everyone will say that. But but then, but you've got to stand there and look at it for a long time to just to appreciate what's been created. And and you can do that with a lot of cars. There's a lot of cars that have been over the years, but the Center is a is I suppose a, 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 the latest incarnation of 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 a lot of manufacturers doing incredible things. And we're going to see a few more turn up in the, in the in the near future you know with the valkyrie turning up and all yeah. that kind of thing to do certain things so um you know I, I i get so much satisfaction and enjoyment out of doing that because you know everything's got its idiosyncrasies everything's sure. a little bit different and the way manufacturers go about doing their things and and that's a, a real joy a, a, a real joy so fortunate to do that and, and that won't change you know I'm, I'm excited about uh continuing to have the chance and we here in new zealand um we don't um, we don't go without. Uh, we we receive everything pretty much that in, in certain um, numbers, uh, not as many as other parts of the world, but um, pretty much everything that comes out these days that's of, of you can get your hands on somehow. Yeah, we can pretty much get our hands on, and um, uh, which is which is really really cool. And we've we, you know said so before our culture here is enormous, and the love of cars is is something I think per capita you'd struggle maybe to find um, you know as strong anywhere else in the world. I have picked up on it. I mean, I've only been here now for maybe 36 hours, but mm. I've already got that real sense. And, you know, just, just just driving on public roads, I just keep seeing really interesting stuff coming yeah. out of the way, whether it's, you know, brand new McLarens through to, you know, just old tuned up muscle cars or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. It's just everyone's trying to drive something interesting. Mm. Um, so on a sort of slightly quick fire basis, uh, if, you, if you started racing, you said around 18 or so, mm. a little bit later, D did you have a road car before that? What was your very first road car? Uh, uh, Datsun 1200 triple S <laughs> so I think I'd have to google that but yeah yep, and I've got one in my shed no um, way. Uh, that because I, I, I there's a story there which okay. is uh, so Datsun 1200 triple S was uh, very yeah google it yeah um, small very small four-door saloon it was actually became a very popular racing car Okay. down this part of the world uh, back in the 70s because um, it was a great little handling little car great little engine and the triple s was a special version that actually was done only here in new zealand so um, they threw on threw in a, a different camshaft bit of a racy camshaft in the little engine 1200 cc's couple of tw uh, 40 40 mil delortos on the side of it exhaust few other bits wow, and pieces nice, 12 nice. inch wheels um, <laughs> you know alloy wheels and all this kind of stuff and it was a, a bit of a little iconic car so i had one of those um and uh, unfortunately it came to a, a, a savage end against a tree. Often, often does when it's yes. a first car, yeah. Yep. And, uh, which I regretted um, terribly. Um, it changed actually the, my attitude to driving. I was, you know, as we were back in 17, 18 years old, um, you, know, uh, you know, better than what we thought we were better than what we were. Of course. And, um, and you know, I thought I was pretty hot shit behind the wheel. And <laughs> well, tell that you were, but maybe at that time you yeah, just weren't quite. Yeah, that time I certainly yeah. wasn't. And um, <laughs> and I, you know, it was a, a moment that I was reflect on a lot, and 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 has, has been uh, a big part of, I suppose, my um, my story to uh, to sort of help and be a part of trying to um, be a road safety advocate in New Zealand, and a lot of I do a lot of road safety stuff here nice. to try and change things. And and I tell that story about what I did that day. Sure. So that was my first car. Okay. And it, and and, and uh, then, um, quite uh, fortuitously, I think for for many many for a very long time, I, I never owned any because oh, really? I, because I didn't need to oh, uh, wow. because I was lucky to be um, you know have company cars and, and provided cars for a long time. But but I've, I've got a few and, and my W one. 
um, out uh, parked out there that you would, we were talking about before, which is the last hurrah from HSV, um, is uh, sits in the shed. So that sits there, and it's uh, kind and of a prized car. Yeah, it, it will. It is sort of thing because I think um, you know it's going to be a bit of an investment, I suppose. And but it is also a very special thing that I just I struggle to be able to justify driving. Yeah. <laughs> but I got you know a little Datsun 1200 as well, and oh, cool. um, a couple of muscle cars and things. You Amazing. know, 60s American muscle cars. Mm. Super cool. Well, look, I really appreciate you coming down and having a chat. I think it's, it's great uh, to yeah, see you. No, no, it's 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 fascinating to to hear your story and learn a bit more about you know the, well, the motorsport have, here. You're going to have plenty of fascinating stories, I'm sure, on your journey. Yeah, which is, absolutely. But yeah. it's it's great to get started here and, and learn a bit more. So thanks again, and everyone, uh, as I say, make sure to, to get on your Google, get on your YouTube, and and look up the various things we've been discussing because it's, it's all fascinating. And uh, we'll catch you soon for the next episode. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.